Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So come on, we're going to get into the Word today. This is our last Sunday, our last Sunday in our series called Church, It's Time to Pray. I just want you to repeat after me. I know I can't hear you at home. We've got a fo- couple of folks here on the count of three. I want you to say this with me. Church, it's time to pray. One, two, three. Church, it's time to pray. Now, this isn't just a series. This is an anthem for our year. This isn't just a good idea. This is a, a, a foundation for our church. Uh, I believe the Lord wants to open up some new wells in our church and establish some new ones and, and, and pull up some old ones. And, and one of the, 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 the old one for us, I believe, is prayer, worship. Come on, the presence of the Lord. We want to believe in the prophetic ministry in our church. And we want to believe that God's going to give us our own permanent building one day. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, I'll tell you more about that later, God willing. Uh, but uh, we're just expecting great things. And church, it's time to pray. What I'm going to do today is in this last seven days uh, of our fast, I really want to, I really want to help identify uh, what the Lord says uh, in his word about prayer, but also about what it's going to take for you and I to experience the presence of God in our lives, in our churches, in our home, and honestly, in our gatherings. I do not believe that church is a building. Jesus said that. He's searching for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So that scripture says he's looking for people's hearts, not people's buildings. But, but God, we do meet in a building, and we do go into a home in our groups, and we do have a home, and we sit around the dinner table. And those are moments where not only does God live in us, but God comes down on us. And we want to believe that this season, that we are not going to, uh, that we, there, there'll be nothing in our lives that will hinder God from coming down on us. God always lives in us. But we want to see God come down on us in a fresh way and do something new in our lives. And so we're going to jump into a, a passage of Scripture that most of you are, are pretty uh, familiar with. But I thought I would kind of jump around it a little bit to kind of give you some context of what the Scripture is that we're always reading in Second Chronicles. Uh, the, the story starts where David, our King David, had just passed away. And he just died. And Solomon, his youngest son, had been made king uh, kind of like in a crazy way. They were going to make another one of David's sons kings. And David's, uh, or Solomon's mom, Bathsheba, who David had an affair with. It's amazing how God can redeem the worst of situations into the greatest of situations. One that used to be a murderous and adulterous was now going to be the king of Israel by God's choice. And so they rushed, Bathsheba rushed. Solomon and the priest, and they declared him king before all of the, his other brothers could make that happen because it wasn't God's will. And Solomon became the king. And when Solomon became the king, it was God's will that he would build the temple of God, that he would build this enormous, beautiful, elaborate temple. And it would be gorgeous. Not David's job. David really wanted to, but he saved it for his son. Come on, maybe God one day will use Ezra to build an elaborate building. Who knows? But come on. Like, uh, I just believe that in this story, we see that, that David wanted to but Solomon was the chosen one to build this elaborate temple. So they built this temple. It took them seven years to build it. And they built this temple. And finally, it was all ready. And they went and the elders arrived. It says they waited for the elders to arrive in Second Chronicles chapter 5. And they waited for the elders to arrive. And when the elders came, it says that the Levites, which were the worshipers, basically those on the stage were the Levites in the Old Testament, or even you, if you were at home worshiping, you were considered a Levite. They grabbed the very presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And if maybe you don't know what that is, it's just a box, really. And it really, inha- it, it actually holds 
the manifest presence of the living God, the creator God, the, the, the maker of heavens and earth. His presence was put into a box. It's kind of odd, but it was put into a box and you say, well, that doesn't make sense. God is om, om, omnipotent. omnipotent. He's also omniscient. He's everywhere, but God also chose to bring his presence to the earth. And so he brought his presence to the earth and they put it in a box. <laughs> so don't box God, hallelujah. Okay, but they put it in a box and as they're walking into the temple, they placed it in the most holy place behind the curtain in the veil. They placed it back there and they came out and it says in the Bible that the, the Levites got their guitars out and their instruments out and it says they begin to worship and they begin to sing and they said, they begin to sing this phrase, he's good and his faithful love endures forever. And it says they begin to sacrifice sheep and cattle and they, they sacrifice so many animals to the Lord, so many blood sacrifices to the Lord that they couldn't even count it or record it in the Bible. That's how many. They, could, they lost count because they were just lavishing their sacrifices on the Lord and lavishing their love on God. And they had Pastor James there leading us. And Kyle, like today, we're leading us. Come on, the Lord's love. Your love endures forever. And it says in the Bible that, uh, that I'm sorry, it says, oh, I didn't put that in there. Okay, it's okay. It says in the Bible, I'll read it from my own notes. At the moment a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord, the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. Listen, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. They were worshiping the Lord and they were bringing their sacrifices to God and they had built a place for the Lord to dwell and God was there and he honored them by bringing his manifest presence, not just in a box any longer, not just in a building any longer. He says, I want to blow on every single person there. And it says the cloud filled the temple and the power of God was in their midst. And then Solomon did all these prayers in chapter six, and then it comes to chapter seven. And Solomon, again, in this verse, it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple again. And the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. This happened two times. After he worshiped and after they prayed, the glorious presence of the Lord came down upon the people in a powerful way. And look what it says. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, he is good and his faithful love endures forever. So just stop for a moment and consider. If we're here at Cardell Theater worshiping the Lord and a fire flashes from heaven, and like God's presence was so thick that a cloud began to fill your house. And it was so righteous and holy that you're in the presence of the creator God that you could only do is just get down on your hands and your knees and lay your face to the ground because the presence of the Lord was so heavy and so thick. You thought, I don't want to move a muscle because I'm in the very presence of the God who created the heavens and the earth. Oh my goodness, can you imagine for a moment what it must have been like to be in that place? What a powerful experience in the presence of God. And their response was to bow down on their knees and just worship the Lord. And then we come to our key text today. In verse 12 of chapter 7, it says, Then one night, a few weeks later, the Lord appeared to Solomon. God, Jesus, God, came to Solomon and appeared to him. He says, I have heard your prayer 
And I have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. He says, I want you to know that, 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 that I, you've built this house for me and your heart was holy and your heart was pure and your motives were right and you responded correctly and you did the things that I needed you to do and you obeyed my word. So I have now chosen that this would be the place in which my presence dwells. I believe this is a prophetic word for our church today. I believe that God is saying to us, I have chosen. I'm not saying we're the only one he's chosen. Hear me very clearly. I'm not saying we're the only one because there's a lot of great churches in the city and across the world who are experiencing the presence of God. But I'm not talking about those churches right now. I'm talking about our church. I believe the Lord wants to make this his dwelling place where in your home and in your group and in wherever the Lord has us gather, that when we gather together, that he says, that is the place I have chosen for my presence to dwell. That is the place I've chosen for my presence to come. That is the place I want my presence to come, my powerful presence to be in your midst. He says, I have chosen that you would be a place in which my presence will dwell. And you have to know that it wasn't just the glorious building that Solomon built. This is talking about your life. This is talking about your heart. This is talking about your home. This is talking about your groups and your gatherings and your job and in your car that wherever you are, God says, I want to pour out my presence on you. We know this because in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of this household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about you. And in him, you too, talking about you, are being built together as a church to become, look at this, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He's not just talking about an old elaborate building down the street or some steeple building or some church building. God wants to move in your home. God wants to move in our midst. God wants to move in your life. God wants to move in your car. God wants to move in your house. God wants to do a supernatural move on your life. He wants to not only live in you, he wants to come down on you. That's what this is talking about. He says, I have chosen you that my presence might be in your life. And it says in this verse today that here Solomon is having this encounter with God and then he makes this phrase in this scripture. Look at this, verse 13. At times, so this was really awesome <laughs> until he said this. <laughs> At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. At times, I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops. At times, I might send plagues among you. And at times, I might do these things. But if my people who are called by my name. Mine. Now, we have to understand something about this verse is that we have to understand that you and I have the capacity, listen, to stifle the presence of the Lord in our lives. We have the capacity to stifle God's presence in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, I want you to know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But at times, if we allow certain things in our lives, it will stifle our ability to hear the voice of the Lord or sense the promptings of the Lord. And we won't, know, we won't respond correctly or we aren't responding as we should in our lives. And so we begin to find that over time, we feel a bit distant from God. We feel far from Him. We say, God, where are you? We begin to find in our lives that there's a distance from Him. And I'm not just talking about He's not just talking to anyone here. He's talking to people who are his people. 
He's saying, I'm not going to send those. Like, he's talking about how he may have to send those things into our lives. You say, oh, this isn't making any sense to me. I'll get there. You hang on. But I want you to know today that, 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 that we have to understand that God entered a covenant relationship with Israel and promised to take care of them, and he promised to cause them to prosper as long as they obeyed his word. He came into a covenant relationship with them and said, simply, I, I'm reminding you in this verse of the previous commitment that you and I made, that if you obey my word and you adhere to my voice and you follow after me, that I'm going to bless you. But I want you to know that if, that if you do not, if you disregard my commands and you allow certain things into your life and you begin turning away from me, I want you to know the scripture says there will be judgment. Woo! But I want you to know, because you and I, because you and I have experienced the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. You and I are no longer judged by the wrath of God because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But, amen, but, it's no longer judgment, it's discipline. And so judgment before was wicked people, destruction. Now we have the blood of Jesus in our lives and covers us. And when God looks at us, he sees righteous people. But it does not mean that there are no consequences for stifling the presence of God in our lives. There is still discipline. There are still areas of our life where God wants to adjust us. There are still things in us where God says, listen, that's not okay. And there are ways for you and I to actually stifle the very presence of God in our homes, in our churches, in our lives. There is absolutely a possibility that some of you watching today feel so far from God. And you say, why, God, have you pulled away? And he says, I haven't. It's you, not me. See, there's things in our lives that we allow. Look at this verse in Hebrews 12, long one, but we'll read it together. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as children. And you endure this divine discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his other children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really children at all. So that means that when God disciplines us because there's areas of sin in our life, areas of disobedience, we say, God, why are you doing this? It's because I love you. I'm allowing discipline in your life because I love you, because I want to pour out my spirit in your life. I want to pour out my presence in your heart. I want to minister to you, and I want to transform you, and I want to make you new, but I have to be given access, and so therefore, discipline is a requirement because I love you. Look what he says here. Since we respect, respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best that they knew how? But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Come on, somebody, say amen. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by it. And so you and I have to understand that when God, in this verse, you say, why would God send those things on his people? It's because he loves you. He's trying to get you to a place where he, you fall to your knees. 
He's trying to say, son and daughter, I'm, I'm disciplining you in this season because there might be areas of your life that are hindering my ability to come and pour myself out onto you. I want to so badly, but we have to come to a place in our journey with God where we say, Lord, I adhere to the discipline in my life because you love me. And he says, if my people, he says, you are my people. It's important you hear this today. This is defining, hear me, this is defining what are the evidences of Christian fruit in your life? Listen, if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, what I'm about to teach you is a regular part of your life. See, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not going to adhere to that discipline. I'm angry at God. I'm frustrated. I get it. I've been there. But I want to tell you, being on the other side of it, I recognize that when God disciplines me, he's doing it because he loves me. And a sign that I am a true follower of him is I submit to that discipline. He's letting us know here that this is what God's people look like. And when you, you have your presence, in, my presence is in your life. And the reason my presence is in your life is because of what you're doing. And so Solomon here is actually teaching, uh, I'm sorry, God is actually teaching Solomon, this is how to keep God's presence in your life. Okay? So you, I want you to know there'll be times when I'll need to discipline you. But it says, then... If my people. So if you're being disciplined or you feel like life's not going great for you, you're a follower of Jesus today and you're saying, man, I've been listening to this series about prayer and worship and he says if I pray something will happen, nothing's happened. I just want to encourage you today, consider that God has never changed from the beginning of time. And so you and I have to stop for a moment and say, okay, God, maybe there's something in my own life that might be hindering your presence from coming into my life. And I want to say today that I acknowledge that, God. And so if my people who are called by my name will, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple, and I have set it apart as holy. A place for my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. He says, I gave you, he gave us three responses when you face a situation in your life, whether it's demonic attack, whether it's just living in a crummy, earthly, fallen world, or God is disciplining you. There's three different ways to look at it. Some of them are just the world and it sucks and God's like, I didn't do that, but let me help you through it. Sometimes the devil's like, I'm ticked at you and I'm gonna tempt you and cause problems in your life. And sometimes God's like, okay, you got yourself into a pickle and I'm gonna use the pickle to help you, get, to help you draw closer to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna use the situation that you're in to discipline you, to get you to a place where you can live the way God wanted you to live and experience his presence. And so he says this, the very first thing, if you're taking notes today, it's already on the screen. He says, you got to humble yourself. He says, you got to pray and seek and you got to turn. Humble, seek, turn, and then. Humble, wow. seek, turn, then. Yeah. This is a then moment yeah. in our church. This is a then moment in your life. Is a prophetic word for you today. This is supposed to come at the end of the sermon, but I'm going to give it right now. This is a then season. This is a then season. Come on, hear me. This is a then season for your life. You've been struggling for years. 
You've been stuck for years. You've been holding back for years. You've been apathetic for years. But today is a day. This is a season when the then moment for your life will come. Breakthrough will come. Forgiveness will come. Transformation will come. God's presence will come in your life. This is a then moment, but it requires a response from us. The first thing is this. Humble yourself. Uh, This is a realization simply that I need God. It's what it is. Why would I need to humble myself? Because we're all prideful. <laughs> like, why would he say humble? The opposite of humility is pride. So, all right, humble yourself, okay? Why would I need to humble myself? Because you're dealing with pride, because you don't think you need me. Because you haven't recognized your need for me. Your life has not been centered around your need for me. You've learned to live life without me. You know who I am, but you've learned to do life without my presence. You've learned to do life without my word. You've learned to do life without my community. You've learned to do life away from me. And even though you know me, the reality is, is that we're in a situation where you begin to do life on your own. Pride. It's what it is. I do it all the time. (laughs) And I recognize it in the scripture that pride is the first hurdle to every person experiencing the presence of God in their life. Simply put. If there is a pride in your life, big or small, it will be a hindrance for you experiencing the very presence of God in your life. You might walk into that worship experience and say, come on, I'm ready to experience God. But if you got pride in your heart, God ain't going to come to you because the Bible says he opposes the proud. That's what he says in this verse. I know this is hard today, but I'm saying it because I love you. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word oppose, think about this for a moment. That word pose means to resist. That word opposed means hostile towards. That word opposed means to literally to reign, to go into battle against. That when we position ourselves as prideful, what happens is, is that God doesn't see us as his friend. There's a mindset where he says, whoa, you're opposing me. You're pushing me away. Now hear me. God loves you. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is overwhelming. God's grace and mercy and truth is ready and available for you right now. And all we have to do is say, God, I need you. I admit right now, I need you. I can't be a parent without you. I have found, my wife and I were talking about this, the more I know God, the more I realize I don't know God. I realize the more I go in my relationship with God, that I learn new things about God every day. And I come to this place where I think, I got it all figured out. And I realize, oh my gosh, I got nothing figured out. Man, I'm teaching a Bible college class and I'm preaching every Sunday. And I go to my word every week and think, oh, I never saw that before. I never knew God was like that. Oh my gosh. And I realize, I need God. I need God to lead my family. I need God to lead this church. I need God to be a great husband. I need God to make it through the day. Oh, God, I need you. See, what that humility does, it puts us in a place where now we are praying. We're seeking. So humility automatically puts you in a position to pray. I don't know how to pray. Humble yourself. The moment you humble yourself, it'll lead you to a place where you say, God, I need you. And he says, good, now you're praying. Good, now you're talking to me. Good, now we're in communication once again. Now we're working things out together. Now we're on a mission together to conquer this life that you're living. But before that, you were just trying to do it on your own. So humble yourself. And it leads us to a place where we seek after God. This is a revelation that I want God. So humility is is the, the, the realization, oh my gosh, I need God. Seeking after God is the revelation, like, oh my gosh, God's ways are so much better than my ways. It's this revelation that now that I live a life where I need God, 
now that I leave a life where I realize I can't be a great dad or a great business owner or mother or leader or, or whatever it might be, I literally cannot do any of those things without my need for God. Now, I kind of want God. I kind of want to seek after him. I kind of want to be in his presence. Come on, I want to pursue. We, we sometimes forget that a relationship with God is a relationship. It's not a transaction. It's not a one-way street. It's a relationship. Look at the scriptures, Psalms 42, 1 and 2. As the deer, look at this, this language, longs for streams of water. So I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Look at this verse. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Come on, look at this. Psalms 119. I pant with expectation, longing for your commands, longing for your word like a dog. Like little Via, you know, she's so thirsty. You know, I just need water. Come on, God, I just need your word. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's been a while since you read your word. You're like, man, I need to, God, I need to read God's word. I'm just craving it like a good cheeseburger, even though it's much healthier. <laughs> oh, I just want to, oh, I just, oh, I just, oh, I just cannot wait to read God's word. Yeah. Why? Because you realize that if I go a single day without God, it sucks. Yeah. I want to be with God. Like the young man in Luke 15 who chose to take his dad's inheritance and he went away and he slept with prostitutes and he wild living and all stuff and then he lost all of his money. Famine came into the land. He's standing there feeding the pigs and he was so hungry he wanted to eat the food from the pigs and it says in the Bible that he had a, a realization, oh my gosh, things are so much better in my dad's house. Hmm. Yeah, he disciplined me a lot but I think it's because he loved me. Yeah, he wouldn't let me date that guy but maybe it's because he was terrible for he wouldn't let me pursue that thing that I wanted, but maybe it's because he knew that I wasn't wired for it. He wouldn't give me that promotion of the job. Maybe it's because he knew I couldn't handle it. Hmm. Things are a lot better in my dad's house. Jeremiah 17, the Lord says, Cursed is the man who puts his trust in mortal man and turns his heart away from God. He's like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future. Look at that, no hope for the future. He lives on the salt-encrusted plains in the barren wilderness. Look at this. Good times pass him by forever. Another translation says, he doesn't even know when good's in front of him. But blessed is the man and the woman who trusts in the Lord and has made the Lord his hope and confidence. He's like a tree planted along a riverbank with its roots reaching deep into the water, a tree not bothered by the heat, no worried by the long months of drought. It leaves stay green and it goes right on producing all its luscious fruit. Life is so much better with God. And see, when you humble yourself, you realize, wow, I really need God in my life. And then it leads you to a place where you realize, oh my gosh, I really want God in my life. And then it leads you to a place where we begin to turn in our life, turn from sin. Now, I chose this word on purpose. I deleted it and added it and deleted it and added it and deleted it and added it because I'm like, I don't want to be too harsh, but I'm just going to say it. Turn from sin. A willingness to be led by God again. All sin is, is saying, God, I don't want you to leave me. I don't want you to be in the driver's seat anymore, God. I'm going to do things my way. And see, here we say, well, Ryan, what was the sin they're talking about? Well, he refers to it in 2 Chronicles 6. It's 
So remember we said that God's going to send these things in verse 13 in chapter 7. He says, I'm going to have to send these. I might send these things. But look what he says. If your people Israel are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned. So we thought it was just God being a meanie. No, it's because we, we made a bad choice. And, and then just another verse later, if the skies are shut up and there's no rain like he said he would do, it's because your people have sinned. So then now we have a reason why. God, why are you doing this to us? Dad, why are you doing this to me? Well, son, it's because you were disobedient. I, I asked you to take the trash out 14 times, and he didn't. So now you're no longer able to do this, and there's going to be punishment. But God, that doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. I love doing those things. Well, I'm really sorry for you, but you should have taken the trash out the first time. You should have adhered to my voice and obeyed my word. And guess what? I would have blessed you. I would have given you double what you lost. And see, that's what God wants to do in our life, is we recognize that he said he might do these things. But then there's a moment in our journey where there's a then moment. See, God requires us to turn. I want you to take a moment here for a moment. I'm going to go back one verse. You have to remember that God has chosen this place. Hear me. We didn't choose him. Sometimes we forget that he chose us. Sometimes we forget that it's grace. I mean, think about this for a minute. We often forget that the creator and the redeemer of our lives, we didn't go out and find him and say, hey, God, can you come and save me? No, no, no. He found us. So I have to remember that when I come into the house of the Lord, whoa, I'm not here because I got in my car and drove here. I'm here because I've been given access by my heavenly father through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I can approach his throne boldly only because of him. And what that does to me is it makes me recognize that whenever there's areas of sin in my life, I have taken for granted that reality. That it's grace. And so the sin in my life, I recognize that there's something that happens when there's sin in my life. According to the scripture, as we see those, those two examples about the skies being shut up so there's no rain or the enemy attacking us, there's two things we see in this verse that happen in our lives. Firstly, the enemy begins to have a stronghold and a foothold in our lives. We begin to experience overwhelming sense of depression beyond normal wiring or anxiety or fear or discouragement or temptation to sin. We begin to feel like guilt and shame and the enemy goes rampant on our lives and we wonder, what is happening? What's going on? And the Holy Spirit says, son and daughter, I think that might be this little area of pride in your life or maybe it's because there's this area of anger in your life or maybe it's that pornography that you just... I know it's hard, but you got to lay that down. Or maybe it's the alcohol. I know it's hard, but just start to wean yourself out. Son and daughter, I know it's this relationship that you just keep getting into and it's hard, but I want you to know that my way is so much better than your way. And I know that it's difficult and I know that it's hard, but with the power of the Holy Spirit and a partnership in your life and a community and practical steps, you can see life change in your life. But it comes first by recognizing that the issue of God being distant is not God, it's me. It's my choices, my decisions. What happens is, is that I begin to feel dry, distant, feel disconnected. I don't know if you've been here before. I know I feel this all the time in my own sin. I feel like, man, I just feel so gross. I just feel so not myself. I just feel so dry and battered and broken and disconnected. And I just, I just, things overwhelm me. And 
I, I see the worst in people. I'm not patient with my wife. And now I'm being real vulnerable with y'all. I just don't vulnerable. I'm not, I find that I'm not, don't even, and I mean this with all sincerity, like I love my children, but I find that I'm only concerned about me. Like it's just like my world and my life and my A to Z and what's wrong with me and what's going on with me and me, 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 me. It's called pride. And when I distance myself from God, I start trying to figure out my own life and I start thinking about my own ways and I start protecting my money more because I'm worried I'm not going to get any more. And I start investing, oh, I really got to have a relationship now. And so I start dating these guys or girls that aren't really followers of Jesus, but it's okay. Maybe I can lead them to the Lord. No one ever does, but whatever, it's okay. Maybe you have an experience of that, but I don't know. Not in my world, but maybe yours. We just start to feel this sense of luck, and then we get used to the yuck, and then yuck becomes our regular. And people say, "Hey, are you a follower of God?" Yeah, I go to church, whatever. Yuck. Yuck. Yeah, I did it once. You know, I got burned. You know, just how we feel. But then we recognize, okay, God, I need you. I need you. That's it, God. I need you. What am I doing? I'm praying. God, I recognize. I want to seek you. I want you. Because my life sucks. (laughs) My way is so dumb. I just can't even come up with a great plan, even if I had the opportunity. Your plan and your way is so much better. And then what happens? He says, okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, you got to stop having so much pride. What? (laughs) Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I want to have a relationship with you too. Like, I'm your heavenly father. And so I recognize that every time I go to pour out my love on you, you take credit for it. And so I want to just encourage you. Hey, next time, give me the glory. Next time, try giving some being generous. Next time, don't respond that way. Let my Holy Spirit lead you to respond like the word says. And all of a sudden, I start recognizing, man, I'm turning. That word means to make a literal change, a, a radical shift. A, a repentance is the word. I repent of my sin, as Acts chapter 2 says, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you and it will be for you and your children. See, this is a then moment season for our church. This is a then moment season for your life. Come on, God wants to come and wants to bring breakthrough. God wants to come and he wants to bring transformation. God wants to come and he wants to heal your relationship. God wants to come and he wants to heal your your depression. God wants to come and he wants to heal your anxiety. God wants to come and he wants to hear your fear. God wants to come in this season and he wants to do what he's always wanted to do by showering his grace down onto your life. But it starts by saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. And God, I recognize your discipline is because you love me. I respond, God. And then what happens? Oh, my gosh. I feel the presence of the Lord. Oh, my gosh. I feel God's presence in my car. Oh, my goodness. It's like drinking from, you know, a hose, cold water on a hot summer day. You just feel the presence of the Lord. Joy. Peace and oh, thank you, Lord. Ah, you know what I mean? Just this, it's like getting into a pool on a hot day. Just ah, Lord, I was so thirsty and I'm not thirsty anymore. This is a then season for you, but I want to encourage you today. I want to ask you these last questions as we end our time today because God's not finished yet. 
I just feel like there's some watching who feel like you're done, you're finished. You're not finished. <laughs> oh, this is just the beginning. Come on, listen to this. I'll read these questions off. Is anything in your life hindering God's presence from being poured out on your life? Are you dealing with pride in your life right now? Are you dealing with spiritual apathy? You're not seeking him. You've just settled for the blech. Are you dealing with an area of sin or disobedience to God's commands in your life? If so, right now as you're watching today, let's humble ourselves and say, God, we need you. Come on, even in the room right now, let's take a moment. <laughs> Come on. Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to every person watching online? Lord, this is our moment. This is our then moment. <laughs> Lord, we need you. God, we, we, we need you in the areas of our sin, our fear. God, we need you. Today, God, we acknowledge we need you. And God, we acknowledge we humble ourselves. We also, Father, we want to seek you. Lord, we want you. God, I want your way. I want your plans. I want your parenting skills. I want your, your husbandry skills, God. I, I want to be like you. I want you. I want you, Father, in my life. Come on right now. Pray that prayer over your life. And Holy Spirit, if there's anything, God, in our lives that the wicked ways of the world or anything of that nature, God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would forgive us of our sin. We repent right now. Lord, we repent of our sins in our life and say, God, your way is better. Come on, as I end today, we're going to transition for a moment, but it just popped in my head. I want to say this one last thought. This week, our kids had a little bit of a moment. I won't give them too much detail. Don't worry, guys. But they made some bad choices. And it led to a very, very extreme response of shame and guilt. And in that moment, they were punishing themselves. Oh, man, I deserve this, and I deserve that, and I deserve that. I said, no, you don't. You've been forgiven. I've forgiven you. You don't need to punish yourself for the sin in your life if you've asked your father to forgive you for it. You just get to live in the grace and the freedom that I just offered you. You don't deserve any more punishment. Why? Because I forgave you. Because your heavenly father sent his son to die for you. That's the best part about serving Jesus is that when you and I sin, we want to go away and punish ourselves forever. But if you've honestly humbled yourself and you've sought after God and you've turned from your wicked ways and you've repented, guess what? You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You are new in the eyes of God. His mercies are as new as the rising of the sun. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bless you guys today. I pray God will be with you and bless you. I'll see you guys this next week, every single day on Facebook Live from 12 to 1230. Love you. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.